number of years ago, I had a birthday, and, and Jamie um, saw this thing on Groupon. Uh, it was uh, this opportunity to go drive a NASCAR, uh, drive a car on the NASCAR track there in Fort Worth. And, uh, and so she bought it for me. And, and uh, if, if you know anything about me, I cannot stand NASCAR. It makes no sense to me to drive around in circles and circles and circles for hours at a time. Uh, yeah, I, there's enough going around in circles in my life. I don't want to do it for fun. Come on, are you with me? Say yes. And so I just, there's nothing about that, that redneck stuff that I could ever enjoy. And so, but Jamie had bought it, and it's for my birthday. And I was like, well... Okay, I guess I'll go do it. But I didn't want to do it by myself. And so uh, Pastor Jonathan Pena said, hey, man, uh, Jamie bought this Groupon for my birthday. Uh, Would you want to go with me? He goes, oh, I would love to do that. See, Jonathan Pena may be one of the only uh, Hispanic rednecks you know. I mean, he is a Latino redneck in all of its glory. And so he loves NASCAR. And I was like, come on, man, let's go up there and we'll do the NASCAR. And and what you do is you got to get in the car by yourself and drive around the track at 150 miles an hour. And so he was so excited. Like for him, it was like, oh, we're going to drive NASCAR. Oh, and I was like, yeah, we're going to go drive around in circles. And so as we get there, we go through our little training, and, and I'm standing there beside the car as they start letting different ones of the ones in, in, in this class go around the track and get in their cars and go around. And then as I stand next to this car, and all of a sudden they start this car up, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm feeling some redneck love right now. Wait a minute. I, I, I'm, I'm sensing some of this all of a sudden. And, and then they put me in the car and they put this helmet on me. And uh, in the helmet, uh, the guys can talk to you that are standing over in their little tower thing and watch you go around. I was in the whatever car. What, what car was I in? Do you have a picture of me? So I was in the 88 car. There I am. Talladega Nights right there. I'm going to tell you that right now. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I get in that car, and they go, go ahead, Mr. McCain. You go ahead and put it in first gear. And, and, and so I start going. They said, Mr. McCain, you, you go ahead and get on it. And I was like, I, I can get on it? And they're like, get on it. And I was like, whoa! And before I knew it, I'm up to 150 miles an hour. And the, and the incline on that wall is a 30, 30-something degree incline like that. So I don't know if you've ever been sideways on, in a car going 150 miles an hour. But in that moment, I started having flashbacks to that one time I got to drive on the Autobahn in Germany without any speed limit. And all of a sudden, I'm doing 150 miles an hour. And I see Jonathan Pena up there ahead. And I'm like, dude, I'm about to pass this joker right here. And I'm having so much fun. It's so loud. And I'm going so fast, and I'm so sideways in the whole thing, and it's a new experience for me. And the whole time I'm yelling, going, "This is awesome! This is awesome!" I forgot that uh, that I have a microphone on me, and all the guys in the booth are sitting there. And so finally, they're like, "Mr. McCain, you want to bring it down a little bit? We can't. You're blowing our eardrums out right now because I was having so much fun." And then as we came to an end of it, we all stood there at the board, everyone in my class, and they as they listed who went the fastest in first place, second place, and all that. And down at the bottom was Mr. Redneck Pena himself, and up at the top, ah, Pastor McCain. In that moment of redneck fun, I want you to know I experienced something new, and it changed me forever. Forever fun comes when you and I embrace a new thing. Are you with me today? Say yes. Isaiah 43 is a prophetic scripture that I want to give to you today. I want to help you embrace the new thing that God's trying to do in our lives, in your life, in this church's life, in my life. And Isaiah 43 is this beautiful passage in verse 18 and 19. Look what it says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. You missed it. I'll try it again. See, I'm doing a new thing. 
I'll try it one more time. See, I'm doing a new thing. There you go. Now, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Father, I just pray for your folks tonight. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that they could embrace the prophetic word over their life right here, right now. To let go of the old and embrace the new because you want to do a new thing in each and every one of us. Father, I just pray right now that supernatural understanding would come to every man and woman in this room. Lord, that they can live their life with joy and excitement. They can serve you and see the dead raised and the blind eyes open. That, Lord God, that no matter how sinful they've been in the past, they can become that man, that woman of God that you always intended them to be. And they can love and enjoy this wonderful life as the supernatural power of God flows through their veins. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen and amen. This is a phenomenal prophecy here in the book of Isaiah. What has transpired is is, uh, Judah has been conquered by Babylon. Now, you know, all of Israel had been taken away as slaves back in early, a few hundred years earlier, by Egypt. And as you read through this passage, uh, they, had, they had gotten free from Egypt. As you know, you know uh, Moses took them out and took them across the Red Sea. Come on, you saw the, the Disney version of it. And, then, um, and so they lived in, 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 in the land of prosperity, their, their promised land, if you will, as the scriptures called it. And then they began to sin against the Lord, and, and, the, uh, and they began to get conquered by other nations. And Judah had remained faithful, but they had been conquered by Babylon as well and been dispersed from their land of promise. They had been taken away from the gift that God had given them. They been given been, they've been exiled literally from, from their promise, from the thing that God had given them that was theirs. And they had been in this place of torment and difficulty as slaves and, and, and those in a land that they did not know and a place that they were not supposed to be in. But because of their sinfulness, they've been taken away. And in, in this book of Isaiah chapter 43, the Lord comes back to them and he responds to their prayers and their cry. Look back in verse 1. Let's go back to that. It says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. He hadn't redeemed them yet. He's saying that I have redeemed you by faith. Already, I'm speaking the future into the now. I'm saying what is going to happen in the days to come, because if I say it, it becomes now, right now, even though it hasn't transpired yet. He says, who I, I've redeemed you. I have redeemed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Can I tell you something? God belongs to you and you to God. He has summoned you by name. He set you apart. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. Verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. He's saying, listen, remember what I did hundreds of years ago in Egypt when I brought you out and you walked through that Red Sea and when all of a sudden you walked out on dry land and when Egypt came after you, the waters came down on top of them, you'll walk through the rivers and they won't come over the top of you. You'll walk through the waters and you'll not drown. In fact, if you go through fire, you won't even smell like smoke because I'm going to be with you. I am with you even in your exile. I'm with you even in your difficulty. Come on, that's a whole other message in itself. I'm here with you. I'm with you and I'm not going to leave you. In fact, I'm setting in motion your deliverance. See, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? Do you not perceive it? But you got to let go of the old thing. Come on, are you there? Say yes. I want you to know prophetically, God's ready to do a new thing in you. It's time for you to open up a small group for the first time. It's time for you to start prophesying in Walmart again. Come on now. He wants to do a new thing in your heart. He wants to do a new thing in your family. But you and I got to let go of the old to be able to come into the new. Come on, if you're with me, say yes. Would you by faith just reach up and grab that new thing from the Lord and just put it down into your heart. Come on. 
Come on, by faith, new thing. Come on, grab it, new thing into my heart. God wants to do something new in you. He wants to do something new, a new thing. You know how you enjoy life? It's with the new, isn't it? None of us rejoice at a funeral. But boy, when a new baby's born, and we sit there and say, man, this is exciting. Man, look at this little baby right here. (laughs) Boy, that's my niece right there. That's going to be my girl. I'm going to spoil her rotten. Why? Because it's new. We all love the new. And God's saying to us through this message, he wants to do something new in you. Are you there? Say yes. I love this passage in the book of Acts. I want to point out to you the first New Testament miracle. In the book of Acts, chapter 3, if you'll turn there quickly, we're going to look at verses 6 through 12. But as you turn there, let me set it up for you a little bit. Jesus has died on a cross. He's been buried. He resurrected. And he has shown himself to the disciples and many others over about a 40-day period. Then he says to them, as he goes to ascend, he says, listen, go to Jerusalem. And wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that my daddy promised. So that you wouldn't have to live in powerless life. So you wouldn't be overtaken by your own sinfulness. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, as he says in the book of John. And he's going to endue you with power from on high. Wait to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they obey. And you look in the book of Acts chapter 2. They're there in Jerusalem. It's the day of Pentecost. They're in a room, about 120 of them, they're praying. When all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, fuego del Espíritu Santo, the fire of God falls on them. They all begin to speak in other tongues. They come down out of this place that they're at, and they look around thinking the whole city's had this experience. And it wasn't. It was just the 120 of them. And in that moment, they begin, they begin speaking in other tongues. People are wigged out by it, and the power of God hits. And it's magnificent and wonderful and powerful, and a bunch of people get saved in that moment. But as we pick up in chapter 3, they go on after this experience with their daily life, and they're on their way, Peter and John are on their way to the temple, which is what good Jewish boys did, and they were going to go pray. And as they were going to pray, there was a lame man, been there 40 years without the ability to walk, sitting at the gate. And he's begging for money like he had done day after day after day for 40 years. And he begs them for money, excuse me. Do you have any alms for the poor? Do you have any money for me? And then let's pick up in verse 6 of chapter 3. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Verse 8, he jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts. What was he doing? He was walking, he was jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder, like, oh my goodness, and amazement at what had happened to him. In verse 11, look at this Real quick, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Concave, uh, Colonnade. I want you to understand this. So, so they haven't performed any miracles outside of Jesus' tutelages uh, up to this point. And book of Mark chapter 6 says that Jesus had sent them out while he was still on the planet. He sent them out two by two. Under his authority, he said, now go do this and, and go do this. And it says that they literally, they cast demons out of people and they healed the sick as they put, anointed them with oil. They healed the sick. But in their own strength, within their own self, without Jesus as their tutor being there, they had never done any miracles that we can point out in scripture. So Jesus has died. 
He has resurrected and he's ascended. They've now been empowered with the Holy Spirit. That's why you need to get the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And they get empowered with the Holy Spirit. They're by themselves. Come on, you remember the first time you drove your car by yourself? Can you remember that? Can you remember the first time you went to your first job by yourself? You remember how nervous you were? By themselves, they've had this power of the Holy Spirit, but they're on their way to go pray, and they see this man begging, and they can't help it. They say, listen, we don't have what you're asking for, but we got what you need. We don't have what you think you want, but we got what you really do need. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And they pick this guy up who's been for 40 years sitting on that ground begging for money. Can I tell you something? Over the time that Jesus walked the planet, he passed that gate many, many, many times. Why? Why did Jesus not heal him? I believe because he wanted Peter and John to have their new thing experience. To have their new time experience. To have their moment where they got to experience the new thing that God had planned for them. So Jesus passed it by and said, it's going to happen for you one day, buddy. Don't worry about it. It's coming. Just get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. It's coming. Don't worry about it. And at that moment, that moment in history, that moment in time, they responded to the new thing that God was doing inside of them. And they said, get up. And I want you to understand, when the new thing happens in our lives, when you and I live in the new thing of God, you can't help but see the excitement. I mean, it can't help but invigorate you and everyone else around. It says this. It says they walked into the temple court. And now this guy is walking for the first time in 40 years. His entire life, he had to look up at every man and beg them for money. Every, his, 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 his value system was destroyed. He was nothing more than a beggar. In fact, they still called him the beggar even after he'd gotten healed because they didn't know what else to call him. That had become his identity. He's looking up at the man, looking up at the men. But for the first time in his life, he's standing looking at men eye to eye. And the Bible says he didn't just come walking. It says that he came jumping and praising God. Can I tell you something? You get the attention in Walmart if somebody gets healed and they start jumping and praising God. In fact, all the people came running. Look at verse 11 one more time. It says, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came what? Say it with me. Running. Say it one more time. Came what? Running to them. Running to them. You don't run to anything that's boring. You have never run to say, it's going to be boring. Let's go to that play. Yay. You run to something that you can't wait to get to. You pushing people out the way. Let me see. Let me see. That's why we all run to see a fire. You know, anyway. And so they're running, pushing people out there. What happened? Who is it? What happened? Why? Excitement. Because something new had happened. I don't want you to live your whole life in the boringness of sinfulness, carnal Christianity. I want you to have the new thing. Behold, do you not see it? Can you not recognize it? I'm doing a new thing in you. He says this to Judah. We can receive it as a word for ourselves. He says it to them because he says, listen, I want you to know something. You've been in mundane living. You've been in captivity. You've been frustrated and agitated and aggravated. You've been raising your kids day in and day out in a land that's not even your land amongst people that control you and tell you what to do. And you don't have the freedom that you deserve. But I want you to know, behold, I'm doing something new. You've got to let go of the past and hold on to what I'm about to do. Can I tell you something? Some of you have held so tight to the things of the past that you can't enjoy today. God wants to do miracles through you. He wants to do miracles in you. But you've got to reach up and you've got to grab a hold and say, Lord, do a new thing in me. Do a new thing in me and in my family and in my job situation, in my life. And the moment that Peter and John had received the new power of the Holy Spirit and working there like it was new to them. They'd grown up never hearing about that, never understanding that the same thing that came on the prophets and then lifted off the prophets, the power of the Holy Spirit, 
that was now going to dwell within the hearts and the bodies and the physical nature of man. And now the same thing that Christ did, they could do. And they had that revelation, and they're standing there in the midst of the problem. They said, let's do this thing. Wapow! Something new. And that something new turned the entire temple upside down. It transformed everybody in there going, oh, my God, oh, my God, you've got to come see this. That dude's jumping. and that, You're not supposed to jump in here. What's going on? Let's go see. And they come running. Why? Because excitement in that which is new. It's time to come out of the old and into the new that God has for you. It's time for you to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out those. Come on, you with me? Say yes. It's time for you to prophesy on the street corner. It's time for you to use that Facebook and that Instagram and everything else, the Snapchat that you're involved in, and start calling people to repentance because God wants to do something new in you and through you. Are you there? Say yes. I'll give you a couple of thoughts on the things that literally, here's the enemies of your new thing. Write these down. These will help you. Enemies of your new thing, number one, is your old thing. Number one enemy of your new thing is your old thing. Look at Philippians chapter 3. I love what Paul says in verse 13. He says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul saying, I forget what is behind. He said, I make it a, a, a cognizant effort. Conscious effort. I'm going to do this. I'm forgetting what is behind. Most of the time, when preachers preach it, they're talking about Paul's mistakes. That's not at all what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about his successes. See, Paul was a Jew of Jews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul was a tu- was tutored by Gamaliel, which today, two thousand years later, Gamaliel is still considered one of the greatest rabbis in Jewish history. Paul was his vice president. He was his his intern. Paul was on a track to be the most famous and most popular rabbi in Jewish history, which for a Jewish boy is the greatest honor you could ever have. He's on that route when Jesus knocks him down and says, why are you persecuting me? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. And Paul's whole life got turned upside down. Everything that he thought was valuable, everything he thought was important, now has been lost as he follows Jesus. And he says, listen, I've considered them rubbish. I don't even care about all the accolades of the past. Some of you are still dreaming about being a professional football player. Look, bro, you're 50 years old. Let it go. Let it go. You need to let it go and go on with God. Some of you are still mad at the last ministry that fired you, and now you're having to work a normal job. Friend, let it go. Forgetting what is behind and press towards what is ahead. God has something right now new and exciting for your life right here and right now. Listen, I know. Listen, I'm a pastor. I know that some of you have lost some great things in your life. I understand some of you lost children. And some of you, and it's so hard for you. And friend, I understand that. But God's trying to do something new. Embrace the new. He wants to bring something new into your life. I understand that he left you with three kids and he's a jerk and full of the devil. I get that. But friend, stop living in that past and embrace the new. Forgetting what is behind and pressing towards what is ahead. You can't fix yesterday. All you can do is make today exciting and enjoyable as you embrace the new thing God's doing in you. Do you with me? Say yes. You got that? Say yes. Come on, you can do better than that. Say yes. You got to get unstuck from that endless cycle of what could have been. Oh, I could have been this if I wouldn't have had kids. I, I'd, I'd, have, I'd have abs too if it wasn't for that doggone surgery. Oh, i tell you one thing. If this wouldn't have happened, then I would. And you're in this endless circle of what could have been. Friend, you're here now. Embrace what God's doing for you now. There's a new thing happening. Years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Anybody ever see that movie? 
It's a hilarious movie. The premise of the movie is that Jim Carrey is living this mundane life. I think he's like a, uh, uh, he works at a bank. I, I don't know. I think he's a loan officer or something at a bank. And, uh, and his best friend or brother or whatever is getting married, and he's single and in his 30s, and he doesn't go out and do anything, and he's just boring. And so somebody talks him into going to one of these you know, crazy seminar things where the guy's like, say yes, say yes. And so he says, okay, I'll say yes. And so he makes this commitment that he's going to say yes to anything asked of him. And so he ends up you know, <laughs> planning his, his, his sister-in-law's wedding. I mean, just crazy stuff. And, uh, and, he, and he's at this bulletin board where he says, do you want to take guitar lessons? So he goes, I'm supposed to say yes, so yes. So he takes and learns guitar. And the whole movie is like, he's learning all this stuff, and why are you doing this? This It's dumb. You're wasting your life. But there's this moment where this guy's going to commit suicide, and Jim Carrey uh, uh, takes his guitar lessons and uh, saves the day. I just thought it was so funny. you got to watch it. Let's play it on the screen for him for just a moment. Come on. That's the right clip for this message right here. I'm going to tell you that right now. What I love about that, about that whole clip was, you know, he learned to play guitar, and he saves a man's life. Listen, whatever new God's trying to bring to you, embrace it. It's going to save lives. There's your little sermon piece. Anyway, so number, number two, uh, enemies of your new thing. Number one is your old thing. Number two is safety. Safety is an enemy of the new thing God's trying to do in you. You say, what? Well, let me just make this statement like this. Safe is the enemy of the supernatural. God's trying to do something new, and you're still trying to keep it all safe. You don't want to step out. The Bible talks about faith. Faith without works is dead. It's talking about stepping out and trusting the Lord. As long as you're holding on to the boat, you can never walk on water. Come on, are you with me? You can't raise the dead if you're scared of the casket. You can't see blind eyes open until you get around some folks who can't see. You can't kill a giant if you won't kill a bear and a lion. Come on, man. Don't be so mad about the lion. Kill it because it's only a stepping stone to your giant. But you got to step out. you got to stop. I want safety. I just want safety. I want nothing bad to ever happen to me. Friend, that's not possible. We live in a world of bad stuff. It's just life. And for you to enjoy life, you got to understand, God's trying to do something new in you. But you can't have anything new as long as you're not willing to take those little thugs down the street. You'll never see them transform until you let them into your house for small group. You can't be trusted with millions until you stop hoarding your pennies. You can't be used by God to cast out demons until you look at your co-worker in the face and say, come out. Oh, wait, sorry. Did I say that? For there to be something new, you got to get out of this concern. I just always want it to be safe and orderly and organized. Friend, let me tell you something. The supernatural, the new thing of God isn't always boxable. It's not always packageable. It's not always perfect in the way you thought it would be. Sometimes it's sloppy. Sometimes it's, it's frustrating. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But it's God doing something new in you and through you. And it's always exciting. The excitement of Christianity is in the new thing God's trying to do in you. God's been trying to get some of you just to love on folks. And you just, you're still replaying the past and what didn't go right in your life. Every time you come here, you want somebody else to pray for you. At some point, you got to get out of that to embrace the new and pray for others instead of always having them praying for you. At some point, you got to stop taking and sucking the life out of all the small group leaders bouncing from small group to small group. And you got to just stand up and say, you know what, I'm going to help people. And I'm going to open up my life to check on folks and try to be a small group leader. At some point, 
you got to get past being so angry about everybody and every job that you've ever had that didn't do you right. And you just got to show up at work and say, you know what? I'm going to see miracle here. I'm going to lay hands on every one of them until the devil comes out of you or until something happens in me. And new things will start happening for you and supernatural things will start occurring for you because you stop worrying about the safety of it all and just embrace the new thing. Isn't that good? Say yes. Here's the next piece, and that's the final piece I'll give you. And that is the enemy of your new thing. Number three is your passivity. Passivity. Look at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now, excuse me, is nearer now than when we first believed. Passivity filters everything from the least amount of effort, through the least amount. I, I, I don't want to have to do this. What's the least? How can we just get by? I don't want to have to make an effort. I, I, you know, I, w- I would do that, but, you know, then I would have to do this. And, and I would, I would but, you know, then it would cost me this. And, and just, it just, you know, it's just so much easier. Do you understand passivity? If you were here uh, when we t- in, our, in our family conference, I taught you this. Passivity, in my opinion, is the original sin. Because Adam was given a command from the Lord, do not touch any of the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't touch it, but he let his wife touch it. And we get this concept that he's out playing in the field somewhere when really he's standing right there. And as she eats of it, he's watching. And when she doesn't die, he says, okay, then I'll take. He was passive in the moment he should have let out. In the moment he should have said, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? You're going to get us killed. God said not to do it. But instead he thought, well, it's somebody else's problem. Well, maybe it's okay. You know what? I'll just pass by on the other side and let somebody else deal with it. Friend, let me tell you something. The Excitement is when you and I come out of passivity and we try something new, when we help somebody new. Instead of always driving around them because you're going to be late for work, won't you pull over and jump them off a little bit? Won't you help them find a, find a way home instead of letting them walk down that dark street? And you think, well, I wonder if they're up to no good to bless their little heart. Friend, let me tell you something. When you and I come out of passivity, miracles are going to happen. They're going to happen. Instead of talking about, you know, well, somebody ought to pray for them. Yeah, you're the somebody. The new thing. The new thing that God has for you is now. And the excitement of the new thing, it's unbelievable. It's it's so wonderful to enjoy the new thing that God wants to do in us. But you can't enjoy it if you're holding on to the old thing. You'll never embrace the new thing. I promise you. You'll never embrace it as long as all you want is safety. You'll never embrace the new thing that God has for you right now as long as you're passive and say, well... Someday I'll do it. Something, sometime. I love what Ronald Reagan said, being silly about it. He said, they say that hard work never killed anyone. But why take the chance? I'm going to tell you something. Try. God wants to do something big in you. So I tried back in the day and it didn't work. Try again. This is the time for the new thing. We're going to change this nation one hurting soul at a time. As each and every one of us says, you know what? I'm moving into faith. I'm going to walk in the new thing God has for me. Would you stand with me all across the room? Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I want the new thing in my life. Try it again. Say, Jesus, I want the new thing in my life. Now, for some of you, you're thinking he's going to kill your husband and give you a new one. (laughs) That's not what's going to happen. He's going to change him and change you, and it's going to be new all over again. Isn't that good? I want you to close your eyes with me across the room and let the Lord minister to you. This is your finest moment, Christian. You don't have to live discouraged, frustrated, agitated. I can't fix what happened last year to you. 
I'm so sorry. But you got to let go of that thing and embrace the new thing that God has for you. So I didn't think the new thing would have all these strings attached. Yeah, I, I, bet, I bet Paul didn't really understand either that when he said yes to Jesus, that that meant every one of his old friends were going to try to kill him. But boy, when he embraced the new thing, in all his years of being a theological giant, and all of his religious duties and his self-made righteousness, he'd never raised the dead. Oh, but when he embraced the Spirit, Holy Spirit work in his life, he started raising people from the dead. He started planting churches. Worked his job and planted churches. Built tents, made disciples. It's unbelievable. He didn't talk about how popular he was back in the day. He didn't sit around complaining about the comfort that he had lost. Now as he's trying to share this beautiful gospel and they're trying to kill him. The disciples weren't so worried about not having Jesus once those miracles started happening. And they embraced the new thing of God. So exciting. So fun. You've lived boring Christianity because you didn't embrace the new thing God was trying to do in your life. This is the moment right there where you stand. I want you just to say to the Lord, Lord, I want the new thing for my life. Come on, just be here, Lord, I want the new thing. I want the excitement that comes with what you're trying to do. He never planned on your life being boring. Even in hardship, you see, you see all the excitement in the book of Acts. As, as, as they're going through some of the most difficult times of their life. They're being in prison. They're sitting there singing. How can they sing in prison? Because it's exciting. Because God's doing crazy, cool miracles. It's new. It's awesome. They had never had that before in all their years of being good church boys. They had never had these miracles. They'd never seen the supernatural. Oh, but when they embraced the new power of the Holy Spirit, as they embraced the new thing God was trying to do, they got to live dreams that they never thought possible. Would you embrace that right now where you stand? Under your breath or out loud, would you just say, Lord, I'm so sorry for being stuck in the old. Some of you felt like you've been in this endless cycle trying to make it work. You just keep trying to make it work. You just keep trying to make it work. God say, listen, forget the old thing. I'm trying to do something new. I want you to look up and see the new thing God's trying to do in you, through you, and around you. That doesn't mean you give up on where you're at. That just simply means God gives you something new in the midst of it all. Put your hand down for just a moment if you don't mind. If you're here today and you're away from God, you're not a Christian. You feel the shame and guilt of your sin. You know you're a sinner. In fact, you're a little embarrassed maybe even being here today. You think, well, I hope they never find out what I've been involved in. Friend, you don't have to live like that. That's not God's intent for you. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but I walked away a few years ago. In fact, I don't even know what happened. I just, I just stopped having a relationship with Jesus. He's not mad about that. You know, Jesus could have died in any capacity. He could have been stabbed. He could have been thrown off a cliff. He died on a cross. It was such a brutal and cruel way of killing people that it was only instituted for a short period of human history. Jesus' arms were stretched out, branded forever, arms stretched out, nailed to a cross. Friend, can you understand what that means? That means he's always welcoming you no matter how far away from him you've gone or how wicked your sin has been. He branded himself forever and ever, not in a ball on the ground, not grabbing his chest because he'd been stabbed, but his arms forever stretched out saying, come to me all who are weary. All who have sinned, and I'll give you reprieve. 
Today, if you're away from God or you've never been a Christian, you're tired of living like that. You don't want that shame of sin anymore. You're ready to make him the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you. I want to lead you in a relationship with him. I want to connect you back to him. So how are you going to do that, Pastor? I'm going to lead you in prayer. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you, he will cleanse you, he will make, your, make you his. And so we don't have to give money to the church? No. No, not to be saved. Well, don't, don't I have to light candles and say these prayers and do the beads? Nope. Not at all. That's nowhere in Scripture. As far as salvation goes, you just come to him. You repent of your sins. And he forgives you and embraces you. So today, if I'm speaking to you, your heart feels the loneliness of not having a relationship with the living God. Maybe you watched us as we sang and we danced today earlier. Like, man, they sure are happy. Yep, because I was on my way to hell. I was destined to a life of destruction. And Jesus saved me and turned me around. And he wants to do the same for you. If you're away from God and you're ready to come to him with no one looking around, be courageous enough to admit that to yourself and to the Lord by lifting your hand right where you stand. I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to humiliate you. But I'm going to pray with you right now. Lift your hand and we'll pray for you. And say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm tired of living like God bless you, sweetheart. Who else? Say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to be right with the Lord. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you, sister. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Give you three, four more seconds. I just want to be sure that you don't end this life. Thank you, son. God bless you. Who else? Be honest. Say, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm tired of the shame. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I don't want to be like this anymore. I want it to change. Anyone else? About two seconds left. Three, two, one. Amen. You can put your hands down. Those of you that lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Prayer of repentance. Always say it like that. There's nothing magical about the words. What's supernatural is that God tugged at your heart and you responded. You lifted your hand. The prayer is just the exclamation mark at the end of the sentence. But I want to lead you in that. Seal the deal with you and Jesus. In fact, I'd like everyone in the congregation to say this prayer out loud with those who lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it out loud. Jesus, I surrender my life. I'm ashamed of what I've become of how I've been living I feel the guilt of my sin but here and now I repent I ask you Jesus forgive me of my sins wash me clean here and now I declare Jesus is Lord Jesus is Lord of my life of my dreams of my wants fill me with your Holy Spirit Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Lord, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, I pray they would sense your forgiveness. Lord, kind of like you just know. Like when you wake up in the middle of the night, you can just sense somebody's in the room. Or they could just sense that you're in their room. Lord, like, like when you just know that something's going to be okay, that they would just sense that you made it okay. Lord, I just pray, Lord God, that faith would well up inside of them, right here. They would know they belong to you. Lord, that right now, that the love of sin, it just melt away. That sin that so easily besets them, it, it won't have the power anymore. Whether it be that sexual sin that always drug them back, or that addiction, God, just, it's power. Let it be nullified, right? now in Jesus name may the wholeness of God
come upon their lives. Would you join hands with that person next to you for just a moment? I want to close this in prayer. My goal with today's message was that you could see that life can be enjoyable. That Christianity can be fun and exciting. I'll never forget standing next to a young lady. And her friend said, Pastor, would you pray for my friend? She's got scoliosis. I didn't even know what scoliosis was at the time. I said, what is that? She goes, well, I've got curvature of my spine. I said, okay. She was real scared. I was more scared because I didn't know if it was going to work. I laid my hands on her. I started praying. And all of a sudden, I heard pop, pop, pop. And she looked at me. And a little girl behind her, her friend, she was praying in, in, in tongues. She was, la, 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 la. And she looked up, and I looked up, and, and the little girl went, did you hear that? And I said, uh, yeah. And she, she said, I, I think I just got healed. I said, yeah, I do too. Do you think it's real? And she goes, I think so. I said, well, what should we do? She goes, uh, let me see if I can bend. <gasps> I can bend. I could never bend like that. Let me see if I can move. <gasps> I can never do that. And she took off running around the church. Everybody started jumping up and down. It was so exciting. It was so fun. I don't want you to live in boring Christianity. I want the excitement of God. Why do you think I let you pray for each other? Because I want you to have scoliosis of the spine. Pop while you're standing there. I've already had it. Why do you think I ask you to open up small groups instead of just always coming into church for big prayer meetings and more meetings on more meetings? Because I want you to have the experience of the person with tears coming down their cheek looking at you going, thank you. Thank you. No one's ever loved me like you've loved me. I want you to have the enjoyment and the fun of Christianity that you were always meant to have. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman in this room, every one of our members, every one of the folks that are new to us. I pray right now in Jesus' name they would be liberated from the mundane, boring concept of trying to just be a good person and go to church. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, the excitement... And the power of God will begin to well up inside them. They begin to long to see the supernatural. They begin to long to love folks and outreach to people, Lord God. And as they begin to love on folks and embrace the new thing that you have for them, oh God, that they'll have such joy and such excitement in their life. And that, Lord God, they wouldn't even be able to contain it. That when they look back a year from now on their journal, when they look back over their Facebook and over all their posts, that they would say, oh my God, in the last 12 months, I have seen more miracles. I have more fun. I have cast devils out of folks. I have laughed. I have cried. I have had more fun than I've had in all of my life. That literally Facebook would say do you remember this a year ago? Oh my goodness. They would begin to wig out because Lord you are embracing them with the new. And that Lord God the old is passing away because behold you do a new thing. Do you agree with that? Say yes. Come on. Do you agree? Say yes. Amen. God bless you.